It's a good night to be here. <laughs> I'm so thankful. You know, I, I do want to honor in a, in a fun way some of our moms. I want to see who, uh, who is the newest mom here. Who's had a baby for a month? We got a, how many of you have a, one month or less? We have any that have a month or less? You've had a baby for two months. Anybody baby for two months? Any mom, it's two month, two month old, three months. We got one here, here. You got to raise your hand. <laughs> I can't see you. Okay, three months. Okay, is it between you two right here? How many, how old? Three months. Three months. All right, what date were they born? We got to find out which one of you is the newest. You were the same day? I don't have enough gift cards for that. <laughs> what time? Oh, man. That's, I don't know if I can pick. We just need to give it to both of them. They do have older kids, but they're still both the brand newest moms. I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. I want to give both of you a gift card. So just go ahead and give We'll figure out what to do in second service. But give, <laughs> give both of them. <laughs> Let's give these two, let's give them a hand. Bryant's going to give you, uh, he went to go get the other gift card because he left it in the office. But we're going to give both of you a, a, a Target gift card just so you can go grab some stuff that you need. We want to bless you. Now, I want to see who is, I'm going to say the most experienced mom. Where's our most experienced mom? Who here has been a mom for more than 30 years? All right, more than, more than 30 years, a mom. I know we got more than that. Either you probably just don't even have your hand up. You don't be ashamed. <laughs> All right, how many of you have been a mom for more than 35 years? 38 years? Wow, 40 years, a mom. Wow, there's a lot of wisdom in this room. 45 years, 45 years, we still got it. 45 years, all right, we're, com we're coming back down here, we're coming back down, 44 years, 44, oh boy, we're going to blow all our gift cards in the first service, <laughs> what month? May 27th, 45 years. Wow, let's give her a hand. That's awesome. Now I wish I had like a gold medal I could give you. A gift card just doesn't seem right. How many? Who's good at math? May is older or not? So does she win or does she win? Okay, all right. I don't want to get this one wrong. All right, here we go. Brian's going to give you, so 44 years, almost 45 years. Man, that's awesome. You guys, we just want to honor you, and we give, want to give you a gift card to be able to go get coffee with one of your friends. Oh, there he is, right there. She did a good job. She did a good job. You know, the scripture says that children are an inheritance from the Lord. They really are, even though sometimes they don't act like an inheritance. 
They are an inheritance, even when they're screaming out there. They're an inheritance from the Lord. And uh, we are so thankful because you ladies, uh, and I want to say this too, because in praying for you today and, and just thinking about it, it's like, it's not just, it's just, not just moms with, with biological babies. It's, it's those of you moms who nurture spiritual, spiritual sons and daughters day in and day out in this city, in your life. Uh, children that have come into your world and your sphere of influence who, who aren't necessarily your responsibility, but because of a call of God, you take them on and you nurture them. And I just want to honor you for that, moms, because you take on uh, a load of teaching and instruction and protection and prayer and intercession and, and a whole long list of other things, and we love you for it. And uh, I want to challenge you men to have eyes to see and ears to hear and honor our moms, protect them. No lady should feel unsafe in this house. No, no young lady should ever feel awkward in this house. She should feel respected and protected and listened to, all right? So let's make sure we, we notice, all right? Notice when a mom's having trouble. Notice whenever, when a, when, guys, when one of our ladies needs somebody to walk her to a car, all right? Let's be a house of men who will wrap our arms around our moms and our, and our young ladies and protect and give them space and respect them. Amen. You guys can do that. That's right. They deserve it. Come on. We got to do a little bit of, a little bit of cinnamon toast, breakfast in bed, and my boys took their mom out to a, well, it was going to be an Italian restaurant, but I think it was closed, and uh, we had a good day. Um, Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to get into the Word here this, tonight and dive in. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for your Word. God, what we... What we have in our hands here represents thousands of years of you weaving together the stories of the kingdom and a whole lot of men who gave their lives to make sure that we have what we have here. And God, it's life because your Holy Spirit breathes on it. But God, we come to it knowing, Lord, that you use it to clean us, to instruct us, God, to bring us life. And so when we read this, Father, we ask you for revelation and we ask you, you would transform us from the inside out with your word. Help us to understand it. Give us ears that can hear what you're saying tonight by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I know that you guys would agree with me that our greatest inheritance in life is Jesus. He's the greatest thing, the greatest person that we have. Knowing Christ is the greatest honor, the greatest privilege, and the greatest treasure that we have. That's it. There's nothing that compares to just simply knowing him. He's our salvation. He gives us freedom from sin. It's the ability to walk free. If you've ever been stuck like I have, and cycle, a cycle of addiction to something you cannot get out of, you know that knowing Christ is the best thing that ever happened to you. 
you know that if you were stuck in dead religion like I was and tormented by fear and there was nothing you could do, no discipline, no amount of work that you could do to get out of it, knowing Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I know it's the best thing that ever happened to you. And if you don't know him tonight, you can. And you should give him a shot. Because when nothing else works, he does. He's our adoption into sonship, into the family of God. It's not a religion. It's him with a big table in his heart called his love, his unconditional love. And he asks us, he invites us to come sit at a seat at the table with him and grab a hold of a table of sonship and of belonging to his family that we don't even deserve to sit at. But because of his son, because of Jesus, because he gave his life and humbled himself and died on a cross, we get to sit in that place. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. He's also our, our authority and the power on the inside of us over Satan, over demonic influence, over control, over manipulation, and even over the philosophies of men, the vain philosophies of men that don't bring life, they bring death. Even my own ideas that don't bring life. Jesus is the power on the inside of me to expose the things that I've believed that are lies and bring truth so that I can walk free and out of patterns that would hold me back. So Jesus is the greatest inheritance that we have, but we also have inheritances that are right now. Jesus is an inheritance that we're not going to fully know until we're with him in heaven. But we have an inheritance right now. And you know, that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like the promises in the scriptures that you see, things that the Lord shows you and promises you. God has given us the promise of favor, his favor and the favor of men. Uh, physical healing, healing of your mind, your emotions. That's the children's bread. That's part of our inheritance. When we come into Christ, part of our inheritance because of the cross, the finished work of the cross is that we can be healed. Do you guys believe that? Okay. This means, yeah. All right. Children are an inheritance. These, all these guys that were down here, that's an inheritance. They're not just kids running around the house making noise that you have to clean up after. You got to do all that, but they're also an inheritance. God puts his gifts on the inside of them. He loves them, wants us to actually just steward them. They're really just given to us for a season to steward and raise up, and then we release and lands and houses. Lands and houses can be an, an inheritance. You know, the disciples said, God, you know, we've given up everything to follow you. We've given up houses. We've given up land. We've given up all family members. We've given up all kinds of relationships to be with you. And he said, that's okay. You're going to have houses and you're going to have all kinds of things in the age to come and in this life, but with persecution. But you're going to have all kinds of things. You're going to walk through all kinds of seasons and have all kinds of inheritances that I'll bring you into. So I want you to see these two things because it's a little bit of a foundation of where we're going. You have an eternal inheritance in Christ and it's going to be fully known when you're with him. But there's an inheritance now. John 10.10 10 says this, this, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and, right, there's two kinds, right? God's not just repeating himself, just repeat himself. There's life eternal 
But then there's abundant life right now. We're supposed to have both, okay? Life eternal and abundant life right now. It's not just sweet by and by. We're going to get there and we're going to hold on until we get there through financial trouble and family trouble and difficulties. And we'll just make it through it. We'll grit our teeth and we'll get through. We're supposed to have eternal life, the hope of being with Jesus forever and an abundance of that life right now. And that looks like all kinds of things. Now, if you're writing some, if you, if you have something to write with, write this down. Natural inheritances are only life-giving when they grow out of the revelation of my eternal inheritance in Christ. I'm going to say that again. Natural inheritances are only life-giving when they grow out of the revelation of my eternal inheritance in Christ. What does that mean? The prodigal son and his older brother in the story, you remember it, the parable Jesus told. The prodigal son got his inheritance early, took off, wasted it, came home repentant, and had his, his father's unconditional love and favor back. Who in the story actually never really understood or, or broke into their inheritance at all or their understanding of the father? The other dude, the older brother, right? Here's the irony of that parable. And if you're not familiar with it, I'm sorry for skipping over it, but here's the point. The irony of that story is this. The younger brother that ran away had to lose his natural inheritance in order to gain the right perspective of his father's love so he could have the real inheritance. The older brother had an inheritance, didn't squander it, was really responsible and worked really hard and yet still never got, had a clue, never got, never was able to break into the real inheritance. So although he kept his natural inheritance, he had no idea. He was totally blind. So the kid that screwed up got into the kingdom and the guy who worked really hard and was responsible and did everything right, totally missed out. I, that just kind of flips my brain a little bit because I grew up, you work hard, you're responsible, you do everything right and stuff's going to work out. But then you see someone who doesn't do any of that stuff and God just, it's like they just get it and they totally get into the Father's love and they totally understand what this thing is all about and you're going, okay, maybe if I read more. Maybe if I put the worship CD in two more hours a day, get up early. <laughs> Maybe if I fast more. Your natural inheritance can actually get in the way. When an inheritance here now actually makes sense and actually helps you, it's life-giving, is when you already know who you are. You already know your eternal inheritance. You've already been able to come into the Father's love. See, when you have that, then anything else he does is in that context. It gives life. But outside of your inheritance in Christ, nothing, it'll actually works against you. It actually can hurt you. It can keep you out of the kingdom. Let me ask you this question, okay? This is like response time. It's okay to throw stuff out. Who has the power to curse? 
Where do curses come from? I can't hear. Nobody wants to say the wrong thing. The devil? Who, uh, who has the power to curse? Anybody else agree, disagree? Now, it's, now I can't even understand what you're saying. What? Okay, God, the devil. How many of you say Satan can curse? Satan curses. Okay, how many of you would say God curses? How many of you would say man curses? Okay, everybody knows that's true because you've done it. <laughs> I know I can curse because I've done it. I'm not putting that on you just because you put your hand up. The reality is Satan has no ability to curse. It's nowhere in Scripture. You know where curse originated? God. God was the first one to curse. Does God do anything outside of perfect love? No, never. He always does everything he does out of perfect, unconditional love and for your very best future. Right? So why would he curse? Why would God curse Adam and Eve for their best future? That doesn't make sense. Disobedience. They were disobedient, so he cursed them. If I do that, they come take my kids away. Not really. But that's what it, it's like. It, it doesn't make sense. You're thinking, if I curse, that's a bad thing, right? Correction. correction. What, what's the point of correction? Okay, gain knowledge is to show love, boundaries, right? Because if I don't put a boundary out there, they're going to get... I always tell my kids, you know, my kids get upset if I raise my voice at them. I'm like, hey, I can either let the truck hit you or I can raise my voice. Which one do you want? You know what I mean? All right. The greatest expression of love in the Garden of Eden after the fall was the curse. And here's why. Pain kept man from getting comfortable in their pride and sin. It kept them desperate and looking up so that they wouldn't die eternally. God knew that, and pain is not the best teacher. Sometimes it's the only teacher we'll listen to. How many of you usually need pain to listen, right? You know, there's two ways to learn wisdom and pain. Wisdom says, yeah, I understand. I get it. Okay, cool. I'm going to do that because I get that if I do this, that's dumb. That's not going to work and I'm going to get hurt. So I'm going to go over here. When you're a third child like me, you get the advantage of wisdom. When you're the first child, like my oldest brother, you don't get that advantage and you just have to go through hard experiences because nobody wants to listen to dad on the first round. His dad's stupid. He doesn't get it. Dad's just trying to control and manipulate and ruin all my fun. But then by the time dad gets a little older and learns not to be so upset when he says it, and then the third boy comes along and sees all the consequences of the first one, it's like, oh, wisdom sounds great. So God, God put pain into the equation, and it wasn't necessarily God that just inserted pain because he wanted to. Man decided to allow sin in and pride, and God said, okay, we're going to put a governor on this thing, like a governor on the truck, so we don't hit a speed that's going to take this thing off the road. And he put a governor on the truck and said, okay, now there's going to be a threshold. There's going to be some pain here, and what it's going to do is it's going to keep you looking up. You're going to hit the wall of pain, if you don't listen to wisdom, and there's going to be a boundary. And it was really God's love, ultimately, that put that boundary there. 
In Christ, though, it's God's goodness that takes us from glory to glory. We don't have to go through pain to understand the kingdom. In Christ, because of our inheritance in him, we can just listen to his love. We can listen to his leading. We can listen to the Holy Spirit and follow him. We know from the word. We know from what God has promised, what he says, and, and he's true. We don't have to, 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 to be motivated by pain, but the reality is sometimes we do. As much as I try to be perfect and want to be perfect, sometimes I just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm not a happy guy. And so my wife has to punch me in the face every now and then and say, Ben, get over it. And it hurts to hear the truth. God knows how to help us even when we don't know how to help ourselves. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 3. What, is, what does all this have to do with our inheritance. First Corinthians. You guys are already there and I'm not. Look at verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. That word gain, I don't profit. It doesn't matter what I did even if it was helping the poor, even if it was giving my whole life for someone or something, if I didn't learn to love along the way, and if it didn't come from love, not just from my human emotion of love, but if it didn't come from the Father's unconditional love, guess what? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. Let me ask you a question. What if the delay of the promise, how many of you have a, a promise or something that you're believing God for right now? How many of you guys believe that God has something for you to step into that he's shown you and you've been believing and trusting him for that, okay? How many of you guys would like to know what that is? Okay, all right. <laughs> what if the delay, for those of you who, who have it from the Lord and you're wanting to step into it, what if the delay of your now promise or inheritance, remember, we're not talking about inheritance in Christ eternal. We're talking about the abundant life here and what God has shown you for this life. What if the delay is your chance to learn to love so that your, your real inheritance is not wasted? If God gave you your inheritance now, what would you do with it? I look back over the last 15 years of my life, and if God had answered the prayers that I prayed when I got out of college because of what he showed me my, was going to happen in my life, had he given it to me then, I would have wasted it because I had no idea. I, 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 didn't know, I didn't even know what the Father's love was, guys. I came out of legalism. I came out of a... a a background where you fasted and you prayed and you did church and you did all the different things. But whenever somebody told me about the Father's love, I was like, what? What is that? 
that sounds really strange sitting in here. But the first message I heard on grace, I had been saved for 20 years. And then I heard a grace message that God was gracious. And I cried like a baby at 10.30 in the morning in a college class as a, as a teacher sat there and talked about the grace of God. And then I heard about the Father's love. And I knew church, and I knew God, and I knew the Bible, but I didn't know the Father's love, and I didn't know the kingdom. And so if God had given me what I asked for, I wouldn't have had a clue what to do with it. God has an inheritance for you but do you know how to walk in love? And I know this is basic, basic stuff, but sometimes the stuff that we struggle with the most is real basic. We get frustrated with delay. We get frustrated with how long things are taking. We get tired of the process. And I, I really feel in my heart over this last couple of weeks as I've just been listening because this is something I've journeyed through for years. And I feel in my heart that what God is saying to us in this family is this. It's time. It's time to step into your inheritance. It's time for you to be able to step into and receive what God is giving you. But beloved friends, God wants you to know how to love. He wants you to be able to be loved by him and do it in love because if you can't, it's wasted. The prodigal wasted the inheritance. It was his. The father gave it to him. He didn't argue. Okay, here you go. But he didn't know what to do with it and he wasted it. Why? Because he couldn't discern the father's heart. He hadn't had the time to be able to walk it out. What does this look like? Uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, some of you guys, like right now, and I'm thinking about my own life, you've got a boss that about drives you crazy. Or you've got a family member that about, you don't even like to see their number come up on your caller ID. It's like, eh, silent. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> No weird glances across the room. Um, financial crisis. God, you told me that this is where we were going, and then we fell into a pit. What's up with that? Or you have a spouse that causes pain in your life, real pain. And it's like, man, there's no end to that road that you can see. I know God has called us to this. I know that this is what you've said, but I don't see an end to this. God, what, how does all this work out? I don't get it. What if the very thing that's causing that pain is the very thing that God wants to use to bring you to the place you need to get to? to be able to handle the inheritance he wants to give you. And that's called surrender. What if the very thing that drives you nuts and makes you so angry you could punch somebody or makes you so 
depressed that you want to go out and buy more drugs or put down a whole 12-pack, a whole what if the very thing, and maybe it's not that, maybe it makes you want to sit on the couch and veg out for four hours watching mindless TV because you, ah, I don't want to mess with it. What if the very thing that causes that is the very thing God wants to use to get you to the place of surrender? And you run from it and you run from it, but God is calling your name. And he's saying, I want to use the very thing that you don't like. And if you'll let me touch your heart in the middle of it, then I can do what I need to do in your heart so that you'll be ready for what I want to give you. Because, beloved, if I give it to you right now, it would ruin you. It would kill you. Do you, do you guys understand it? You get it? All right, I know this kind of sits a little heavy and a little sober, but... That's the reality of whenever you leave here and the smile sometimes goes away and you go, okay, God, now what? So who else has had to deal with this? I think about Joseph. I think about Joseph being the, the favorite kid that his brothers didn't like because he liked to talk about his dreams of him being the favorite, right? And they're the older brothers going, oh, no, you don't. And they throw him in a pit. He gets sold into slavery into Egypt, winds up in Potiphar's house, does really well there because he's got an excellent attitude and he's a really smart dude. But then he gets, he gets deceived by Potiphar's wife and he eventually gets accused of something he didn't do and thrown into prison. And he's just left there. Or I think about Moses, understood prophetically what he was called to, and he even identified, though he was raised in Pharaoh's house, identified with his people who were the slaves of Egypt more than he identified with Pharaoh's house, knew he was called to be a deliverer, so much so that by the time he was in his late 30s, getting close to 40, and he saw a, 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 an Egyptian kind of, uh, what do you call those guys with the whips? Taskmaster. Taskmaster. When he sees an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrew slaves, he goes, he has such a holy like, oh, no, you don't. That's one of my guys that he goes and he kills this guy with his bare hands and puts him under the sand because he knows he's called to help his people, but he tries to do it in his own strength. And what happens? Where does he get put for the next 40 years? In the desert, taking care of sheep. And Joseph gets put in prison. And there's this long delay. And they know what God has called them to, but there's this long period of time. And in the midst of all that, what happened? God got them ready for what they were called to do. They tried in their own strength. Or they tried in their own excitement, and it didn't work. And so God said, you know what? I love you too much to try to give you something that if you do it in your own strength, it's not only going to hurt you, it's going to hurt a whole lot of other people. So I'm going to put you in a process and I'm going to reveal my love to you and I'm going to reveal to you who I am and I'm going to start to show you who you are in me. And if you won't quit, if you won't bail out of the process and leave the church because you got offended at the pastor or leave the job because you got offended at the boss, or leave the marriage because you got hurt by your spouse. And I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I know that there are valid reasons to make decisions. Here's what I'm saying though, guys. 
Maybe look at it from a different perspective. What is God trying to do in you? What's he trying to do in here? In the season you're in right now, what's he trying to do on the inside of you? And I believe with all my heart that the number one thing he's trying to do is say, look, I know you have an inheritance and I know you know what it is, but you haven't fully realized your eternal inheritance yet. You don't really know how much I love you. You don't know your full sonship yet and you haven't fully come into the freedom of who, I, who I've created you to be. You just wanna have the thing that I showed you. But you gotta fully get and understand my heart first. Oh, that step comes quick. <laughs> wow. You gotta get my heart first. When we get his heart, we begin to get more ready for what he's called us to, okay? Um, you know, a lot of times in scripture, if you read through the Old Testament, and you'll see it here in a second, you take uh, Jacob and Esau, you take Isaac and Ishmael, uh, King David, Joseph, a lot of times the guys that God picked were not the first or the strongest or the smartest or the best. A lot of times, you know, in the Bible, the, the son that was the first and the oldest and the smartest and the strongest, he got the double portion of dad's inheritance because he, like we said earlier, he was, he was the symbol of, of, of dad's strength. He was the oldest son. But what's crazy is that many times, because God is who he is, God isn't going to pour his glory into your strength and your pride. I remember about six years ago, God told me these two words. He said, Ben, choose weakness. I'm like, huh? What do you mean by that? And it it took some years to unpack what that meant and looked like in my life. Because I always want to choose what's going to help me be strong and more confident and better at what I do. And it's going to like get me ahead. And then God's saying, hold on a second. I'm the same God that, that, uh, that chose King David, who was this freckle-faced, red-haired kid out in the fields, who was a little scrawny guy taking care of the sheep that nobody wanted to know anything about. And all of his older brothers were at home, big, tall, strong. And when the prophet comes to uh, Jesse's house, because God told him, go anoint a king from the house of Jesse. He comes, and there's all these tall, handsome brothers. And as they come before the prophet, God says, nope, it's not that one. And the prophet's like, what are you talking about? He's good looking. He'd make a great king. God says, nope. And he says, all right, this next one will be it, because he looks really sharp. Looks like he's got it all together. He's, he's muscular. You could tell he's a natural-born leader. He's a good communicator. He's been watching him. And God says, no, no, not him goes through all the brothers and none of them get picked. And so the prophet's like, man, do you have another son here? And Jesse's like, well, you know, David, he's kind of stinky. He's going to take a shower before he comes in, but we can bring him in. And he's the one. He's the one that's going to be the king. God wanted to pour his glory through a weak vessel. Somebody know what he would pick. And a lot of times we offer our strength to God and say, God, won't you bless this? Won't you bless the thing that I'm confident about? And a lot of times you, you scratch your head and it's irritating. God, why are you not 
helping me in this thing that I'm trying to do. Chris Valaton was associate, associate pastor, I think it was his title at the time, over at Bethel out in Reading, back in 2008 when I listened to a message and he said these words and they've stuck with me ever since. He said, Jesus never promoted himself. Jesus never promoted himself. You know who, who kick-started his ministry? Talk about Kickstarter. Who started his ministry? His mom. His, and John the Baptist, yeah. But I mean, it was his mom who was like, would you go do a miracle? He's like, no, woman, it's not my time yet. She says, oh, yes, it is. Out of the nest. Jesus was so confident in the call of the Father on his life. He was so confident that the only momentum he needed was the Father's momentum. That he was at rest. He wasn't trying to be the big shot. I mean, Jesus knew at the age of 12 the whole thing. He told his parents, don't you know I'm about my Father's business? They didn't even know what it meant. Jesus knew at 12. I didn't figure it out until I was like, how old am I, 38? I didn't figure it out until I was like 36. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Jesus is 12, and he's already got it. And how many years he spent, 18 more years, just waiting, just trusting the Father, growing. And man, that's the part we hate, right? But Jesus was so confident. You know, some of you here, and I want to speak directly some of, some of us in our, our pride and in our strength have a difficult time getting into our inheritance because the gifts and the, the things naturally that we're good at actually can get in the way. Because God's not going to pour his glory through our strength where we're prideful and we think that, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to ask God to bless it. But there's also some of us here that because of insecurity and fear, it's like, I'm not very good at this and I don't know what I'm doing. And man, why would God pick me anyways? And there's this confusion about your identity. And because of insecurity and fear, you won't even let God begin to, to pour through that area of your life where he's called you to. I remember listening to Kim Walker and I probably won't get this story totally straight, but she talked about being pretty insecure as a worship leader early on. There was some fear, a lot of fear in her life. And everybody knows Kim Walker, you know, Jesus culture and, and sings with Chris Kalala. How do you say his last name? So Kim has this now worldwide worship ministry, but there was a time when she was really insecure. And here's what she did. She asked the father, when you made me, what was on your mind? What did you see? And God showed her this picture. And if I remember the story right, somebody's probably going to come come up to me after the service and correct me. But it was like he showed her this, I think, music box with this little dancer. And he said, when I, when I made you, I saw you just twirling and spinning and dancing on before me and singing. And, and she started to get a picture of what the, the father saw for her life. And now that's what she does. She just twirls and spins and sings and, and, and worships. And she gets to do it all over the world. I don't... The father wasn't telling her, you're going to go all over the world, do all this big stuff. No, just, I see you spinning in my presence and worshiping me. And she believed him. I said, okay, I can do that. And then God worked on the fear. And she went through a process where she had to step out in obedience and do things, even though she was scared. 
But because she knew who she was, she knew her inheritance here, seated at the table. She knew her inheritance as a daughter of the Most High God. Then she was able to start to take steps into her inheritance now. Here's the point. If you don't get into your inheritance, I don't get into mine. I remember being laid out flat in 2008 multiple times listening to Misty Edwards and Kim Walker and God just doing all kinds of stuff. And that's just one example. But their, their confidence to step out into their inheritance helped me to step out into mine. And if you don't step out into your inheritance because of insecurity or fear or pride, it's not just hurting you, it's hurting the whole body. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need necessarily your talent. He doesn't need your strength. There's things that he's given you that you're good at. There's things that he's given you, not so that you can put all of your eggs in that basket and be confident that you're strong, but he's given you those things and said, okay, now many times lay it down. How many of you ever gone through a season where God had you completely lay down what you were good at and do something totally different? And the last thing you want to do is love anybody in the middle of that season. All you want to do is gripe and moan and complain. And you can't wait to get back to the thing you're supposed to be doing. Man, guys, God is doing something so much bigger. So much bigger. Do you realize that God can take a little stone and a sling and slay an entire Philistine army? You realize God can take two little widow's mites and write a story that the whole world's going to read, billions of people? God doesn't need anything other than our surrender. And when you're really pressed, when you're really pushed, and when you're really up against a wall because something is really hammering on you, and everything inside of you wants to lash out because of everything that happened to you. And, and you don't feel like a son or a daughter. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to let go. The Father is inviting you into his love. He's inviting you into a journey, into his heart. And he wants to get you ready for something so much bigger than you and so much more connected than you can imagine. But he will not pour it through your pride and through your strength. And he cannot do it while you remain insecure and disconnected from your identity as a son or daughter. Amen. A few things, then I'm gonna close. These are things you need to know about your inheritance. Your inheritance is always, always, always about people. Jesus didn't die for money and Jesus didn't die for stuff. He died for people. And what God wants to pour in you and through you is primarily for people. If God's giving you an inheritance of money, there's a lot of places in the New Testament even where Jesus tells the rich young ruler, sell it all and give it to the poor and then you'll have treasures in heaven. In Acts chapter four, the, the, this new infant church started to emerge in a revival. And it says everybody who owned property and lands and houses sold some of what they had 
and gave to those who were in need. Why? Because they valued people more than stuff. It's always about people. The inheritance number two is always given and never earned. Because if you could earn it, then when God did what he wanted to do through it, it would ruin you with pride. The inheritance is never about you. What God wants to do in you and through you is not for you. Joseph knew this. You remember Joseph? At the very end of the whole story, his brothers come and they realize it's him that they betrayed all those years before. And here he is, the governor over all of Egypt, number two in command. And he could have had him executed. Bunch of no good, sold me into a pit. He could have nursed bitterness in his heart all those years. And if he had, if he hadn't learned to love, what would have happened? What was God's purpose in bringing Joseph to Egypt? To save people. And if he had been bitter at them, he would have killed and took, taken vengeance on the very people that God wanted to save. It wasn't about Joseph. And it's not about you. What God pours through you is not for you. It's for others. Number four, without love, there is no inheritance. It doesn't matter. It doesn't profit you anything. If you blow up and do something really cool, but you shortcut the process of love, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. 1 Corinthians 13 says it profits you nothing. Your inheritance is bought and paid for. And what God wants to do through you is not just about your performance or your discipline or your ability. It's going to happen. Why? Because Jesus already died and paid for it. Jesus already... He was slain before the foundation of the earth. He knew your name before you were born and what he wants to pour through you and in you and what he's already told you he's gonna do, it was already done, it's sealed. You don't have to worry about it. All you have to do is be loved in love and come into who you are in Christ and believe him, take him at his word. He'll take care of all the rest. You're not a human doing. (laughs) I mean, it's trite, but just be with him. That's what Jesus did. Your now inheritance impacts your eternal inheritance. What you do with what God wants to pour through you goes into eternity. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus look at me and go, all right, grab your ankles. This will be over in a couple thousand years. We've got to judge some stuff. There's going to be a judgment. Is that? Did anybody here have illusions of just skating right on in and... Sitting on a cloud? Did you? I mean, he's, he's fair, right? He's got a family up there and it's all good. He's not gonna, he doesn't wanna bring a bad apple in and just throw it in the bunch. Hey, let's, let's, let's deal with some stuff. He says, you'll be accountable for every word. Well, there's, that means there's a day of accounting, you accountants. There's a day when the balance sheet has to be even and it's coming and it's, 
A lot of people say, when's the rapture coming? And I had a, somebody said to me once, what's well, coming at least within the fi next 50 years for me, whether I want it or not. <laughs> Jesus is coming for you soon. You can be assured of that. And there will be a balancing of the sheets. And when I stand there, I don't want Jesus to look at me and go, all right, we got some work to do. Let's clear some stuff up. Mom, dad, come on in. Got some bitterness to unload. Got some anger. Let's, let's get this out. I don't want to do that. If, if, if in heaven we're intimate and we're fully known and there's no secrets, let's just start now. What are you sitting on? What are you sitting on that hinders love? What are you hiding that keeps you from being able to be who you are in Christ? Just, let's do it now. Let's let go of that. Let's deal with it. You don't want to deal with it then. Because when you go in, no matter how cool you were, how much stuff you did, or no, no matter how much your album blew up, or no matter how much that business you started blew up and you made millions, you're going to walk in and it's all going to be in a stack under your feet. And Jesus is going to take a little holy Bic lighter and he's going to light it. And there's only one way that it's going to stay there. If you knew who you were in Christ and you stood on and in his love and you were filled with it and that's what you gave out because he loved you, not from your own strength, but from your weakness, then you get to keep it. And all the people it impacted, anybody here do penny stocks? You buy in at two pennies and you sell at five bucks. Do you know how much people make with penny stocks? A whole lot of money. It's a lot of money. I had an uncle once that bought in at like a fourth of a cent and then sold it at like a buck 80 and bought a whole lot of stuff with a very little amount of money. Moms, when you pour into your sons and daughters in secret, nobody sees. It's like a penny stock. When you do, Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you won't lose your reward. That's a penny stock. What is insignificant here and seems so small in the megaphone of eternity is massive. Why? Because it's compounded, compounded, compounded. And all the people that that impacts, that your inheritance impacts is on your account. It's, it's given to you gold, silver, and precious stones. But that's if you walked in love. 1 Corinthians 13, if you learn to love, let him love you then you get to keep it. It profits you for eternity. Let's bow our heads. Next week, we're gonna talk about how do you unpack and unload the things that hinder love? How do you unpack and unload the things that keep you out of your inheritance? Is it too late? Am I too far gone to have what God's planned for me? The enemy would love to make you think that. How do I overcome impossible circumstances and obstacles? Because it seems like I'm never going to get there. And I believe God wants to encourage your heart. Because he has a good plan for your life. It's a good plan. And it's way better than what you could ever imagine. And that's not just a saying. It's true.
I'm not usually one to just have people make commitments. I'm not going to ask you to make a commitment to some big thing. Because sometimes the biggest journeys start with a very small, tiny step in the right direction. It's all about a little shift in your heart. And if it's God, it'll last. If he starts it, he'll finish it. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is breathing on some hearts right now. You've either felt really strong and like you had it in control and you're starting to realize you don't or you have felt really intimidated and fearful and not even wanted to step out. But whatever it is, that inheritance has eluded your grasp. And you've had a hard time believing that the Father really likes you and loves you. If that's you and you say, Ben, tonight I feel the pulling of the Holy Spirit and I want to go on a journey of love. I want to step into that river and let him love me and learn to love. Even if you're not good at it, you know you're not good at it. It doesn't matter. God can take care of it. But if that's you, just I want you to do a simple thing and no more. I want you to just stick your hand up. My eyes aren't even open. I don't, I don't care. God sees. Just show him your hand. And here's what I want you to do. Put the other hand on your heart and say, Father, love me. Show me. Pour your love out in my heart. Teach me to love. Father, now I ask, because you've already poured out your love in each and every heart by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to reveal love. God, I pray this week when it gets really intense and really hard and there's some hard decisions to make and emotions are going crazy and there's the temptation to be really angry or really sad. God, I pray that you would rush in and remember the hand that was in the air and rescue with your love. God, I pray that you would stamp right now every heart with the identity of a son and a daughter of the Most High King. God, I ask you to preserve the seed, the golden 24 karat gold seed of your word right now. Cause it to spring up and bring life that would even blow away those in here that think that it just couldn't happen because I've messed up too many times. God, begin to just blow people away with your love. God, I ask this week for divine encounters of love. Divine encounters where you show how weakness brings forth your strength. God, I pray that you would give dreams and you would give visions to show businessmen in this room how to, how to go low and be weak and allow your strength to prevail in their business. God, I ask for divine strategy for business. God, I pray in this room for educators who feel weak, who feel like they're up against a mountain in the education system, a mountain of impossibility. Lord, I ask you to reveal strategy and wisdom from heaven, how to be weak, and see your strength prevail with wisdom that no one else could come up with. 
God, I believe that there are finances that have been dammed up and locked up that belong in the hands of your people. I ask you, Father, that at the right time, at the right time, it would be released. And Father, I pray that every penny would be for your glory and every penny would be motivated by love. Won't you stand up on your feet? God's word is good and it's true and it works. I bless you guys this week as you go. I bless you guys to make friendships and to make things right. If while you were sitting here, the Lord convicted your heart on something you need to go make right, I want to encourage you to be brave. I want to encourage you to go in and go low. Go low and go slow. Go in humble and make it right. And let's have a, let's have a strong family of friends. There's even families in this room that are struggling. There's families in this room where there's tension and discord. Let's let God come in and do what he wants to do. Let's walk in humility and let God restore relationships and bring love where there hasn't been love. Bring humility where there's been pride and bring weakness where there's been strength. Can you guys say amen to that? Amen. All right. Father, we just thank you for this, this week. We give it to you. We thank you for our kids and for our babies, for our mamas and our daddies, God. We just bless them in Jesus' name. Bring Arnie and Cherie safe back home to us next Sunday, Lord. Just be with them as they travel. Be with them as they rest. Be with them as they sleep and as they have fun, God. Just keep them in your hand. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Awesome. You guys have a great night.